We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is May 23rd, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Safe and sound back in Omaha. What's up, bro? I'm here. I'm here. I I got back around like, I don't even know. I think I got to my place back around 1 a.m., something like that, on uh, Wednesday Wednesday night. So, so like Thursday morning? Kind Thursday of? morning, yeah. A little bit of that action. Then I was working. I didn't stop working the whole time I was in Florida. So nice perks of working from home. But uh, yeah, man, I still can't believe that night happened. I really can't. So I was like, I was, I, I was gonna say it, but you said it, and I, I still like. This is the first time that we're recording since we recorded at Harry Buffalo the night of the draft lottery, mm-hmm. and we were just like so in the moment and like just in a state of euphoria, I would say. Yeah. And now you know it's been five days, and I still can't believe it. And we have like the draft lottery reaction video that's up on YouTube. And every single time I watch it, I just smile and I'm so happy <laughs> and I get so hyped up. I spent like an hour and a half editing like the TikTok version of mm. that video, which is just straight trash. Like TikTok's <laughs> editor sucks. It's awful. It's awful. But I I probably watched that video a hundred times over the course of that hour and a half. And every single time I just get like almost emotional. I get so happy. It's just the best thing ever. There's 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 always something. It doesn't matter. And I thought about this because I was like, even people who don't care about the magic or even the NBA can watch that video and probably get a big stupid smile on their face because I do the same thing with like whatever kind of video where like people are just absolutely hyped out of their minds. They're loud. They're excited. You can feel that. And you felt it. Like you could feel it through the screen. My parents both watched the stream on YouTube um, and, and Lauren as well. And they all said the same thing, which was like, you could feel that. And, and like Lauren doesn't like Lauren follows like Gator football and that's about it. But she had she had the the TV on. She was watching the lottery. I didn't have to even mention it to her. She had our stream pulled up. 
And uh, I mean, it was uh, she even she texted me. She was like, you guys should be streaming this. And I was like, oh, we are. And so she pulled up YouTube and started watching. And, I mean, they all watched it, all tuned in and and got the same type of feeling that we got and just talked about how incredible it was to see how everybody erupted as they counted down from the picks from four down to two. And then you obviously know at that point the Magic are getting the number one pick in the NBA draft. Bro, your dad played it in church today. Like he for did. the whole congregation. He did. He did. Absolutely. He did. I mean, any yeah. any point he can talk about the magic, the Gators, he'll do it. And uh, just made it a little bit sweeter, I think, it being that it was you know our YouTube channel, our podcast, um, getting to do that, just incredible. Yeah. My wife, Carmen, w- was sobbing like uncontrollably, like <laughs> Snapchatting uh, while we were I there. saw that. You, said, like, you held up your phone, crying. and I was like, is she crying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> she was crying for like five minutes straight because she was so happy for – like yeah. us obviously but like me like herself been she's been watching the magic for you know almost you know 10 years that we've been together now and she's like but this is by far the most exciting thing that has happened like for me it's like still kind of like like right below game one like uh mm. like 2019 like that was still like incredible but without, um, without the hindsight of knowing how that series ended absolutely yeah yeah like in the moment it was super exciting but um I think what makes this better is just like the how unprobable it was. Like it felt unprobable that we would win Game One in 2019, but um, and I'm just talking like in terms of the last 10 years. But just to think back that we had a 14 percent chance of ending up with the number one overall pick, Mm -hmm. and we had the draft party. The Magic partnered with us. We packed the house at Harry Buffalo. Everything was going perfect, and it's like the only thing that could make this better is us doing well in the draft. And then we weren't there at four. We weren't there at three. And then we're like, wait a minute. Like, this could really, like, (laughs) I think that's when it became real when we weren't there at three. And it was, oh my God, we're about to win. Mark Mark Tatum was was zooming, by the way. He did not give me any time. If you watch the video, I saw, I I was going to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even barely, I'm like a a whole second late to the Houston pick at number three. Yeah. Because he's going so fast. I look away for a split second. I'm like, oh, yeah. he's doing another pick. Yeah, give me, give us time to celebrate, Tatum. What are we doing, bud? Yeah, but I don't remember no. it being that quick in recent years. It's because we got called sooner, so it didn't really matter to us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's probably a good point. Five happened last year, and the the rest of the lottery just drug by. Um, yeah. You had to wait through commercial, then you had to like it didn't matter anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, obviously, like, thank you guys. For, for coming out um i thank you to the those p- sweet sweet ping pong balls and uh and thanks to joel glass shout out joel glass the pod squad did an episode with him that was super cool behind the scenes hearing him talk about it and just hearing those guys get excited too it's like okay like this isn't overblown for us to have cheered for the number one pick it's not overblown for us to just like talk about this moment and understand that night at the Harry Buffalo will will live on for a very long time, especially if that number one pick pans out for the Magic. Yeah, 100%. So this week's episode, uh, we had Keandre from Hoop Intellect. Um, if you're a Magic fan and you've been researching at all on YouTube about the top prospects in this draft, you have inevitably come across mm-hmm. one of Keandre's videos. On YouTube, to me, like it doesn't get any better than Keandre's, uh, you know, um, analysis and breakdowns of the prospects. 
does such a, good, a great job highlighting their strengths, their weaknesses, you know, kind of what he thinks they're going to project as in the league. And he's very unbiased, very fair in my opinion. Uh, but yep. we had Keandre on. We'll play that interview in, in a few minutes here. But um, just a, a great guy to have on the podcast. You know, huge things are, are ahead for that kid. So we're really, really appreciative that we had him on. But before we get into that, Luke, and before uh, you know, we get into some other things here, the last couple of days you and I have kind of settled on who we want with the number one pick in the draft. For now. For now, yeah. Well, what I will say is now it's been close to like 36 hours <laughs> of who I've settled on. Uncharted territory. And for the first few days, it was like every two, three hours, I was changing my mind. <laughs> Whosever film I had most recently watched, I was like, that's the guy. Like, it's that's the guy. But I still had a little bit of uncertainty in the pit of my stomach. Mm-hmm. And then a few hours would go by, like, oh, let me go back and watch some more Paolo <laughs> film. Oh, it's Paolo. What am I thinking? And then I'm like, wait a minute. Let me go back and watch Chet. No, it is Chet. Oh, well, that Jabari kid is really special. How are we feeling right now? I we just I, had Keandre on and we just talked about all these prospects. So it, yeah, after I don't know, man, it's tough because you listen to a person like Keandre talk and you're like, this person has put so much research into this process. If he has Jabari going three, maybe he's right. Maybe he is right. Maybe that maybe like what Chet and Paolo bring to the table is that much more special I just don't know. For me, it's it, it's been Jabari the past you know day and a half. Even this 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 past this afternoon, I was getting a little uneasy thinking about it. I was like, man, maybe it's Chet. Like, what if he's just this unicorn who ends up being just incredible? There's no like the the sky's the limit for this prospect. I just know that I just feel like his ceiling is so much higher. It, but it, I don't know, man. It is very tough to really come to a decision. It's the it's one of the first drafts in a long time where it really is like a three-horse race. For me, we've never seen anything like Chet. But the I, issue for me is that we've never seen anything mm-hmm. like Chet. Mm-hmm. We just don't know how it's going to work out and it's I think it's easy to say like yeah, if you know, everything goes right for him, he has the highest ceiling in the draft. But it's just like we don't know exactly what he's going to be. We know he's going to be an incredible rim protector, right? Yeah. He's got some defensive versatility where he can, you know, guard on the perimeter a little bit. But beyond that, like, are we sure? Like, the shooting probably will be there. It'll probably be a good shooter. Worst case scenario, he's probably a little bit better than what Mo Bamba is right now. That's that very would, worst case. That, that would be catastrophic at, at the number one pick. Like best case scenario, like the guard skills kind of develop, and he's this crazy, like Kevin Durant rim protecting kind of hybrid almost. Yeah. And I, I think that I think of in terms of like players we've never seen, right? In terms of a big man, obviously you've got your Kevin Durant's who are just like ridiculously unicornish. But the the one that I thought about when I was just like thinking to myself was like Nikola Jokic, like. The dude is is he shoots the ball well. He facilitates. I'm not saying Chet is like is Nikola Jokic. I'm not even saying he's got the same skill set as of now. But what I am saying is like he is a guy who we had never seen something like that before, and he became that. Like he he is you know an, an incredible player to watch. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, 
and that's the type of person I think of when I'm like, we've not seen anything by Chet. Well, I gotta say, I'd be much more comfortable taking Chet with like the forty something, you know, pick in the draft. It's like valid. If Chet's there in the forties. I'm like, it's valid. Send it in. Obviously, right. that's not at all in the realm of possibilities. But, um, but yeah, I think there is something to that. But it's just you know, we've never seen this before. But then it's like, hey, we've never seen this before. Right. You know, it's like, it's tempting. It's it is very tempting. Um what I what I'm trying to do my best of is just like don't fall in love with someone so hard that it's like this is the only guy that I will take at one and I'll be disappointed if Dante Exum. Oh, we don't we're not even talking about it. That's <laughs> disrespectful to the guys that we're talking about to bring up Dante Exum. But I just want to get to the point where we can trust the front office with whoever the pick is. And I want it to be a great night at the draft party that, you know, we'll all be at Amway together. I just want us to be able to enjoy that night already. Like people are really drawing the line in the sand. If you've looked at some of the polls on Twitter, like right now, Jabari has been leading a lot of the polls and then like Chet is pretty close and Vegas odds for what that is worth and Vegas odds. And then Paolo, poor Paolo is Mm -hmm. getting like 10% of the vote, which I don't understand. Right. Yeah. Like, but right now, I'm on Jabari. Like, right now, I've settled on Jabari. I just think, like, he really has the potential to be special as a shooter at 6'10". The NBA is going to be different than the college game. But Keandre, you know, said something during our interview which really stood out to me. He's like, he didn't see any contest. Like, he just right. shot over whoever was in front of him. And if you watch his film, that's incredibly apparent. He right. literally did not care who was in front of him. He's like, no, I'm. this is my spot right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm pulling up, and just the level of shot making that he has, I think to me that is like his elite skill. Like, sure, the three point shooting is great, but like, how many you know, like Corey Kispert's have we seen in the draft? Right. You know, like you have a, a couple of those guys every single year, but it's like the turnarounds, like the fadeaways that he's knocking down in people's faces from like 18, 19 feet. Yeah. That I see that, and I'm like, if he can even get a little bit of a handle. Right that's impossible to stop at 610 and Jonathan before we get to patrons and all that kind of stuff I wanted to ask you is there any point of view any part of you I guess rather that is thinking to yourself we're debating over these like three prospects we we know that the magic will go get their guy regardless of who it is we didn't expect them to take Cole Anthony at 15 definitely didn't expect them to take Franz Wagner uh, at eight definitely didn't expect them to take Chuma where they did is there any part of you that is like bracing yourself for one of those top three guys to not get drafted by the Magic? And are you ready to really put your money where your mouth is and to trust this front office? I mean, I don't think we really have much of a choice, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I do think there's also like such a thing in terms of like value. Like it, mm. if you know, if we're talking about them taking like Keegan Murray at number one, <laughs> right? You know, you could trade back to four or five. Right. And get Keegan Murray and, and and get something else like, I. But the other hand of that is just like if it's your guy, go get your guy. I will be. I hope that we're not vlogging at the draft <laughs> party, and with the first pick in the 2022 NBA draft, the Orlando Magic select blah blah, blah and then we just go oh, no. <laughs> like I hope that's not the case. It's just going to be really because I I know in the moment I'm not going to be able to control my immediate reaction. Right. I'm not going to. You will not see me fake enthusiasm right. if I don't like the pick that's made. 
<laughs> yeah. And I'll just feel really bad Shane for the Sharp. kid. <laughs> like the kid, the kid could end up being the greatest player of all time. Yeah. And he'll always have the six man shows video of when they were pissed off draft night that yeah. he was taken because they didn't know what the hell they were talking about. And that's yeah. really what it comes down to. We don't know what we're talking about, but um, I think the biggest part of me is like, I don't want to screw up this pick. That's like what it comes down to. Like 20 years from now, you want to be able to look back on this draft and be like, maybe that wasn't the best player in the draft, which, you know, happens from time to time, happens probably more often than not. But like, it wasn't a terrible pick that the Magic, you know, the Magic got the second or the third best mm-hmm. player in the draft at one. You don't want to pick Anthony Bennett or Kwame Brown with the number one Yikes. pick. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what we want to uh, avoid at all costs, basically. But right. yeah, in, uh, in Wellham, we trust. Okay, before we get into the interview with Keandre, we do want to go ahead and shout out our patrons. First of all, I just want to say this about the patrons. Like, for those of you that came out, you know, to the draft party and were able to kind of enjoy everything, like we did, you know, the the stickers and we raffled off, you know, some jerseys and we had some really cool stuff. All of that was made possible by our patrons who help support the show. So if you are one of our patrons, like just please know that the draft lottery watch party does not happen without each and every single one of you helping support the show. So I know we say this every single week, but we appreciate you guys so much. And we have we have four new patrons this week that I want to go that. ahead and shout out. So shout out to The Distract, your boy Dave J, Eric Randall, who always supports on YouTube. Really appreciate that. And then Pierre A. Thank you guys so, so much. Uh, we do that with all of our new patrons every single week. If you want a special shout-out just like that, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six-man show and select the tier of support that you want to contribute to the show. Going to go ahead and shout-out all of our patrons, and we do this everything every single week as well. Shout-out Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L., Magic Player History, Julio, Bailey, Matt Lyman, Eric Segovia, Gabe Gaines, Bo Outlaw Fan, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Franz Goaded Fichot, Ryan Singh, Blake Bickerstaff, The Distract, your boy Dave J, Eric Randall, and Pierre. Thank you all so much. And now we are going to get into the interview with Keandre from Hoop Intellect. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Orlando Magic fans, this week we have a very special guest. We are joined by Keandre of the Hoop Intellect YouTube channel. Keandre, what's up, bro? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate y'all for having me on. Yeah, bro, our, our listeners are pretty excited about this. You know, over the last couple of seasons, you've become really like the, the go-to YouTube guy when it comes to the NBA draft. What's that like? Uh, man, it's kind of crazy. I never really envisioned it like happening like this, but um, it kind of happened. So I'm I'm glad to to take that on that title now. Yeah, bro. Before we start to get into a lot of the the top prospects in the NBA draft, now everyone knows the Orlando Magic are, are slated to have the number one pick in the draft. We wanted to to really ask some questions about you specifically, Keandre. Just a little bit about you know your basketball background. You know your 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 basketball knowledge is is pretty advanced. Where does that come from, and, and why did you start the channel? Yeah, so I, basketball has kind of just been my life to a certain extent. Um, you know, grew up playing, grew up watching like all the the Michael Jordan VHSs. I was just talking about it the other day, um, like Michael Jordan's playground and things like that. And then it evolved into me playing and, and doing things like that. Um, getting to a, a pretty high level um, and, and that um, sense. And then when I went to college, I just felt like I had something to kind of offer the basketball community. Um, and as I sort of worked through not being able to edit or, or use Photoshop, I used to do highlight videos and things of that nature. And then over time, it kind of evolved into being able to actually put the analysis or the stuff that I did in writing into the videos. And then that's what kind of came with the draft videos and then from there um basically just been taking off and trying to get better uh, every every video that i do and every you know chance that i get trying to learn more so that's basically the very short version of um <laughs> kind of my basketball background and uh just what i do on youtube i, I wanted to ask you keandre as far as you know because a lot of people have hobbies right like people have hobbies and and jonathan and i you know this very much started as just a hobby and then it got to the point where we we're like, oh, people are, are, are listening to our content. They're consuming it for us. And I think we could probably put like a pinpoint on it where it really just feels like, you know, this is when the steps started to progress for us. Right. We just had the magic partner with us for the lottery watch party event. And that was like a, a huge moment for us. Huge moment for the podcast. Uh, I want to ask you, is was there has there been a certain point where you were like, I I'm starting to become the draft guy for people like did you notice spike in views or kind of what was it for you that made you come to that moment of realization for you um I don't know it was kind of just gradual I think over time in 2020 as the views just started going up and and people yeah, yeah. really started messing with the content that I realized that this was something that um I could really do at, at a high level and do it consistently so um there was never really a, a certain point i think draft night 2020 maybe i was like okay this is kind of crazy it's getting out of hand mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. amount of views and things that are going on but um besides that it, there wasn't like a, a real singular moment for me do you do you find that there is like as far as you know people watching your videos 
I think oftentimes we think about it like with the Magic fans. We we know we have the number one pick, so we are consuming all of your top prospect co- you know content. Whereas I know you did a video on like Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, here in the last you know few months. I think. Do you? And I'm I'm assuming that maybe that video might perform really well once you know someone's team drafts him in the second round or late first whatever it might be do you find that to be true is that it kind of like ebbs and flows as far as which videos get actual engagement like some do better than others at one time but once they get drafted their views can like shoot up for you yeah so it it basically just depends like obviously like paulo chet jabari those are gonna do what they're gonna do um but once the teams draft their certain players, they'll be all all Knicks mm-hmm. fans in the comments talking about, you know, welcome to the Knicks and, and things like that for whoever drafts a certain player. So that's kind of what happens um, on draft night or getting closer to the draft or even like a, a rumor that comes out on, on one of the bigger outlets, ESPN, Bleacher Report. You might find a whole bunch of fans of the team just talking about it um, there. So that's pretty much how it goes. Keandre, walk us through, again, before we get into some of these prospects, what does your process look like in terms of, you know, gathering film? Are you just constantly watching college basketball all year? Are you sourcing this film from, you know, another resource and then just going through and watching every little bit of it that you can? And then where does like the video start? Like walk us through that whole process for a prospect. Yeah. So throughout the year, I'll take notes while I'm watching games, um, certain prospects kind of looking around trying to identify those that um, we don't already kind of know about or know are going to be in that conversation. Um, so throughout the year, we'll just kind of clip certain things and we have like a um, database or whatever you want to call it, a, a file of full of Apollo doing this, that, and the third. Um, so towards the end of the year, we kind of put all those things together and, and revisit some games. And then um, for certain other prospects, we haven't been able to watch as many uh, games for I'll just go ahead and and watch a whole lot of you know those games at, at one time and then cut it up and put it into the video but uh, for the most part I already have a, a good amount of film on a lot of different players and I've already taken a lot of notes so I know about them and then mm-hmm. we just kind of you know fill the gaps or, or where we haven't seen yet or something specific that we wanted to see or one of the worst games or maybe one of the best games to try to um you know, get a, the whole picture uh, and complete it. And breaking down the, the, this film and kind of going through each prospect's, you know, strengths, weaknesses, things that they can improve on, is this something that you have always just been able to see in real time? Or is this something that just kind of over the years, you know, watching hours and hours and hours of film, that's something that you've developed? Um, Specific things like uh, just certain nuances of the game, like, people go in a certain direction or the way that they pull up or I was always very conscious of certain things in people's games because I always watched to try to add it to my own um so that kind of was always something that I did but over the years I've gotten better at you know thinking about team concepts or you know certain areas of the floor that they might be more productive and just kind of just everything else about the game but that initial just like from an individual or like a training perspective that's kind of always been like my sort of angle or viewpoint dope well let's talk about or luke did you have something else before we get into the oh, process i was just gonna ask real quick it's a quick hitting question but counter i noticed you, you use the 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 word we 
a few times when you were talking about like your process. Is it just you or are there other people that kind of help you with research and gathering intel and stuff like that? Yeah, I don't know why I said we. I was thinking okay. that to myself. Yeah. I was like, I don't know why I'm saying we right now. <laughs> oh, I was just curious. I didn't know if you had anybody that. Uh, yeah, that's one of that's one of my like pet peeves. Like why I do that. I was like, I don't yeah. know why I'm saying this, but it's just a mistake. It's we, we're all in this together. I get it. I get you. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I sometimes I'll say we on Twitter because I'm trying to be like the six man show. And sometimes I say <laughs> I like it's my perspective. So I, I totally get that. But yeah, let's talk about some of these top you know prospects at the top of the draft. I know that right now or the really the last video that you put out your mock draft 2.0 that Paolo Bancaro was still your number one prospect in the draft is one. Is that still the case? And if it is, why? If it isn't, who is it? And we can go into that. But is it still Paolo? And and what about Paolo makes him the number one prospect to you? Yeah, so Paolo is still my number one prospect. Um, I think when you look at a guy who's about 6'10", 6'11", 250 plus pounds, he can dribble. You really pass from a number of areas on the court and showed synergy and taking on those different roles from everything to running a pick and roll to operating out the post or even running some high-low action with a guy like Mark Williams. Um, that's one of the, the defining points of his game. And you just look at what he can do as a individual shot creator, being able to put pressure on a defense, um, getting all the way to the basket, scoring inside and um, even pulling up for mid ranges. I think what he brings in terms of being able to make plays um, is what makes him that that's the defining characteristic of what makes him the number one prospect for me. Um, I know a lot of people have certain questions about his defensive ability. Um, I think that there that's valid. There's certain things that he's not going to be able to do in terms of like foot speed. Um, he has a lot, he still had a lot of lapses, but I think you're betting on being in the NBA system to kind of taking out of some of that, focusing more on that end of the, of the floor because he is capable of doing some things. And you could see that throughout the season, there was a lot of flashes, him switching out onto guys like Caleb Love and Isaiah Wong out in the ACC and um, holding his own in that perspective. So kind of just the, the all around nature of his game and the, the potential to bring something a little bit different to the table than those other two guys have. Um, that's kind of what makes him the the number one prospect for me. I, 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 yeah, sorry, Jonathan. I just wanted to jump in here real quick. Keandre, as far as Paolo goes, there was you know, early on, like before the season started, there was a ton of narrative about, um, about Paolo having, you know, an incredible motor, all that kind of thing. And then as the season goes on, people started to say, wait, his motor, maybe not what they said it was. Do you think that kind of, I guess, who was off on that? And then maybe is there like middle ground between the truth there? Yeah, I think that's, you know, always when we, we got guys coming from high school, there's always a little bit of a difference in, in certain people's games. That's not going to translate completely to the college game. Um, motor wise, I think he's probably, he probably is somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's, you know, awful or anything of that nature, but he's not like, let's say Montrez Harrell and in, in, in terms of that, but um, just what, I don't think it's going to really hamper him from being able to, to affect the game at the next level. I actually had a question that really, uh, you know, is similar to that. Do you think there was any element because you watch, you know, Duke play in the, the NCAA tournament or you watch them throughout, you know, the, the you know, conference play in the ACC and it's very obvious that he's like, if you could point to anybody, even if you don't watch basketball, 
you just watch a Duke game for 30 seconds and say, who do you think is the guy on this floor that's going to go to the NBA? You're going to point to Paolo. It's, it's that obvious. He jumps off the screen at you. Do you think there's any element of you know, these guys almost getting bored during the college season, and maybe they're, that's why they're not engaged on the defensive end all of the time? Yeah, I think there could be some of that. Um, some of it could just be, you know, adjusting to the speed of the college game and uh, just being tired or whatever reason it is. But that is something that could be, um, you know, somewhat of a, a factor for a guy like Paolo or, um, you know, whoever else. Some of those other top prospects we've seen in the past have those similar issues. Um, but that's the kind of the hard thing to dictate. So you kind of have to leave some of that up in the air for, um, you know, whatever happens in the next NBA system that they're in. I know there was a lot of questions last year about, you know, um, about Cade and, and Cade's motor and how he would really take off. You were at Oklahoma State, so I'm sure you know, but he would really have these great second half performances. And I think everyone's pretty comfortable with the year that Cade just had for the Detroit Pistons. So a, a lot of times we make these, you know, big, you know, narratives and know oh, this kid's going to be an issue. There were questions about Anthony Edwards, you know, sure. coming out of Georgia. I mean, those guys are, are, said he are wasn't doing really, just fine. He didn't know if he loved basketball. So there was tons of speculation yeah. about. Anthony I mean, Edwards. he's doing all right. I'm just he's saying, okay. You know? He's all right. Yeah. What is it? I you mentioned, you know, Paolo's playmaking. Is that for you? You know, really, what separates him at the top of the draft between like Chet and, and Jabari, where those guys weren't really, you know, showcasing their playmaking at Auburn and at Gonzaga. Yeah, I would say it's a combination of being able to make plays in the all the areas that he is, and also being able to kind of create that shot for himself and get all the way to the basket from the perimeter or, you know, do some of the things that he's able to do. Um, I think a lot of times we can kind of look at or focus on certain, you know, maybe shortcomings in areas. Um, maybe his three-point shooting wasn't as great as you would have liked it, especially in comparison to those other two. Um, but what he's able to do, put putting pressure on that defense is, is really the separator uh, for me. I wanted to ask as well, Keandre, like when you were putting together, because this is something that I think that maybe not everybody knows, which is when you are putting together a mock draft, are you putting it together and having those those teams draft said players because it is like best fit for them, especially as you get on in the draft or kind of what's your your your, I guess, motive or strategy for how you place these guys on certain teams and mock drafts? Is it because you think that they're the best overall prospect or is it because you think they fit best on that roster? Yeah, it's kind of a combination of things. And that's why those mock drafts are really tough to make with one person because there's so many things to juggle. Everybody's favorite team has a, a different idea of who they want or there's free agency coming down. You know, there's a lot of different factors to weigh. So I kind of try to, in most instances, I'm going to try to take like the best player or who I think is the best player, unless it's like a team with, you know, five point guards already. And one of them's, uh, you know, whoever, a Hall of Famer or whatever. Um, so we might go to a different position if it's close. Um, that That's really kind of my general strategy on that. But it is kind of difficult to weigh all those different factors, in, um, especially across 58 picks and try to get something that makes, you know, some semblance of sense. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the rough outline of that. And going back to Paolo, you know, we, we've talked just a little bit about his weaknesses, like in terms of the three-point percentage wasn't exactly where you would like it. 
What do you think are, are some of his other downfalls and, and do you see a, a path for him to like greatly improve you know, in terms of being a three-point shooter? Yeah, so we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but obviously, you know, you have some questions defensively. Um, just being a little bit more engaged in um, obviously the, the foot speed, being able to guard multiple positions at a high level, he might not be able to do that at the the greatest, you know, level being at the in the NBA with the type of players that he might be matched up with. Um, but also, you know, the, in, from a shooting perspective, I think that he's he has the easy potential to be solid. There's great stretches of the season where he shot, you know, close to 40 percent on, you know, three to four attempts a game. Um, just kind of just working through that. Uh, as long as the mechanics are, are stay solid and he's able to kind of keep that energy transfer fluid, um, keep his footwork right, shoot it at the t- apex of his jump. I think that he's going to be set up for success um, going forward, but um, I'm not necessarily concerned or thinking that that's going to be a negative going forward. And that's a, you know, at least somewhat part of the reason that I think he's number one on my opinion. Yeah. I also, as far as like your, your last mock draft, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe uh, when you made it, you had put Chet going number one to Orlando. I want to ask you as well, like how big, like would right now, as it stands, would you say Paolo is far and away clear cut for you? Number one, or do you think that there's kind of some wiggle room that you can say, I can absolutely see Chet or Jabari going one and or do you think it's not even close? Well, I had uh I had Paulo going number one in this last one. Um, oh, you did? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was the one before that. I believe we were like your one point oh one. I I think yeah. that's when Chet was one. But yeah, I kind of wanted to ask you like is, is, in that respect, you know, is he far and away number one, or is it closer than maybe some people would think? Or what's your thought? I think I think it's pretty pretty close at that top three. Um. I think it would go for me. It would go Paulo, Chet, and then just a little bit further down, I'd have Jabari. That's just how I see it. Um, and the reasons for that, I think that you know, you look at Jabari's finishing, his ability to get to the basket and, and convert um, some of the playmaking stuff. That's the reason that he's just a little bit lower, but it's kind of still in that same general top tier for me. Um, but those are the top three, and that decision that to to take either Paulo or Chet because they are so different and present such different things is a difficult one. Um, and it's really going to come down to like, what do you like or what, what is your vision for a team? So um, I think it's close enough. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the split decision is going to be personal preference to some degree. And I think this is the perfect opportunity to kind of switch gears from Paulo to Chet. Obviously we've never really seen a, a prospect quite like Chet. Can you talk just a little bit to what makes him special as a prospect? Yeah, so with Chet, you're getting somebody who's one of the best rim protectors that I've seen in, in recent history. His timing, um, his ability to, to read plays, the feel for what's going on and what's going in to, to develop. Um, he's not going to get the, the block shot every time, but just being in the area and, and changing shots at the rim is something that he does at a very high level. Um, he can also defend at least somewhat on the perimeter and hold his own in, in that regard, definitely in the pick and roll, especially in a drop. Um, he's tough, he's gritty, and he makes up for 
you know, that thing that everybody looks at. He says, oh, he's too skinny. Oh, he's too small. But he he's battling against guys like Jalen Duran who have, you know, who knows how many pounds on him um, and, and holding his own and being able to to use different things throughout the game, just being able to avoid contact going into his chest or absorbing contact in different places, being able to still get that contest in at the last second. So he's a really smart player. Um, and defensively, that's what he brings to the table. Um, offensively, you've got a guy who um, shot around 40% from three, was someone who can – who made mixtapes in high school being able to handle the ball the way that he could. Now, I think that's something that's going to come a little bit more down the line as he gains a little bit more comfort, um, a little bit more strength, being able to get past guys in a, in a different way. But um, obviously when you're seven, one, you can handle it in the way that he can. That's, uh, that's something that you um, look at as a positive instead of a negative or anything like that. So those are kind of the, 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 the rough outlines of what Chet brings to the table. Um, also a pretty solid passer. Didn't really do a ton of that. They kind of split that between him and Timmy throughout the year. But you look back at what he did um, last summer with the FIBA U19 team, and he was really dealing uh, in diamond in, in that way. So um, there could be some untapped potential in that regard. And I want to clear something up with people because this is something I've been seeing on Twitter recently and it's it, it, it's rubbing me the wrong way. Like people on Twitter are they talk crazy a lot of the time anyway, but people are saying, you know, you mentioned uh you mentioned Duran from from Memphis. And they say, you know, Chet, what do you mean like Chet's frame, everything you saw it against Duran? It's like, no you no you didn't. You saw it one play. And then Dern went three for 11 from the field and Chet had four blocks that game. Didn't do the greatest offensively. I mean, he didn't shoot much, right? Probably didn't shoot as much as you won in that game. They still won the game. And that's the thing that Chet talks about as well, which I love. I, I think it's obviously like the, the PR answer, but he says it in almost every interview. And he's been saying it for like a year and a half where he says, I want to impact winning. Like, that's what I want to do. They won that game against Memphis. He did what he had to against Duran, and it's not his fault that you guys just watched one play and came to the conclusion that Chet's soft. Like, if you talk to, to Schmitz, Mike Schmitz of, of ESPN, he says it as well. Like, he's been covering him for the better part of four years, five years. He says he's a dog. Like, he, this is a guy that even though he looks thin, he's not. Like, that's not him at all. So, um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of speak to that, Keandre. And, and uh, were there – like, does that frustrate you too? Like, I'm sure you see it where people in your comments probably are, didn't even watch the video and they want to talk trash about Chess Frank. Yeah, you know, I knew as soon as he flopped on that play and Duran got that dunk, that was going to be the thing that everybody saw from that game and remember just because that's just kind of how social media works at this point. But a lot of that game, especially early on, he stopped him like three, four times in a row as they specifically targeted him to go at him in the post. Um, so that was really all you needed to see uh, from that perspective. He was in foul trouble that game, so... That threw off a lot of stuff. Some of those fouls were egregious throughout the whole tournament. Um, but yeah, that toughness that he brings to the table is why, like a big reason why I don't have as many concerns on a strength and weight uh, perspective. I do think that that's something that he needs to address. And obviously you ask Chet himself, and he'll say that he would gladly wake up with LeBron's strength tomorrow um, in, in size. Uh, I think Wouldn't that, we all? Yeah, right. Um, I think that that's just something that everybody knows will help and make the game easier. But from the perspective of like just being able to to do your job and um, and battle for plays, he does that 
uh, with the best of them. And his motor is uh, a little underrated, I would say. What do you think, like when you when you look at Chet and you look at Paolo, obviously a Paolo number one, but what do you think they're, like these guys' career trajectories look like? Like what do you think the ceiling is for each of these guys? Yeah, so they, like I said before, they kind of just affect the game in such different ways and we have so many different types of all-stars in the league. Um, Chet is obviously going to be that guy who's like the, the all defense, um, you know, bringing that to the table first and foremost, and then um, serving as a lob threat, getting you, you know, 15 to, to 20 points a game, um, depending on how far along he comes as a, you know, individual creator and as a, as a three point shooter. Um, and then Paulo is somebody who could be kind of a mixture of things offensively, somebody who is, possibly an offensive hub in terms of like making plays like a like a bam out of bio does or you know some other big forwards like blake griffin on the pistons and the way that he did it um someone who can make back get buckets in a number of ways and then hold his own defensively so i think that's kind of the, the vision for both of them somewhere in that all-star level i wanted to go back to to chet individually here keandre i wanted to ask you because this is also something that mike schmidt said um when talking about chet and i want you to tell me if you think this is like very much exaggerated or if there's some truth to it which was some people you know obviously have their concerns chet only put up 14 points a game that wasn't good enough for them as far as gonzaga goes mike schmidt says I think Chet only got to really tap into about 20% of his offensive potential at Gonzaga due to the system. How much of that do you agree with? Yeah, I would, I would agree with some of that. Um, like I kind of mentioned before, some of it is just, he's not a hundred percent ready to, to be able to do certain things off the dribble in terms of like really break you down or, you know, really get to the bucket at, at, at a great rate um, versus some of those bigger defenders. But um you could kind of see it that sometimes like he would pass it on the outlets where I think that he could very well dribble the ball up himself and, and kind of get a few more of those transition threes that he shot at such a high rate uh, this season. Um, so there, there is a lot to that. And if you look at what he did in high school, there's, there's a lot more there in terms of like offensive creation. So I think that's something that could be um, ahead of us down the line, but um, it's still a little bit of a work in progress. Andre, I don't know how much uh, attention you pay to the Orlando Magic. Most people outside of Orlando don't really pay all that much attention to the Magic. But uh, this year, uh, we started Mo Bamba at the five, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. at the four. But functionally, Wendell Carter Jr. really was the five on offense and on defense, would guard the likes of you know Nikola Jokic and, and Joel Embiid. And then on offense, Mo Bamba, for the most part, would just kind of hang out you know, by the perimeter and wait for you know spot-up threes. Where do you see Chet, you know, kind of fitting in with the magic and kind of like a sort of a Mo Bamba run, uh, role, but doing all of the things that Mo Bamba does a lot better with a higher motor? Or how do you how would you kind of see him fitting in with the magic? Yeah, I think it would be just kind of a a combination of things like similar things to what Mo Bamba does, but also he's got a little more off the dribble. He can shoot that transition right. three. Um he's going to be just a little bit more ready in terms of shooting threes from the beginning than Mo Bamba was. Um, I know he had that one game against like, was it Philly where he went it crazy? It was Philly. He went yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, three or something like that. In half. 28 yeah. in the first half, four in the second. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. the Mo Bamba experience, unfortunately. For sure. Um, but yeah, just kind of similar things to that. And then just all the expansion, some of the more natural things that 
check can do with the ball, probably, you know, a little bit more playmaking, being able to be creative on that front. That's what I would see for him. So let's now talk about Jabari Smith Jr., which is the guy that Luke and I are, are trying not to talk ourselves into, you know, in terms of, you know, just the, the shooting potential that he has. And it's something that the Magic have desperately needed for what feels like an entire decade now. Talk about what you think makes Jabari Smith, you know, special. And then also talk about why you have him. It kind of seems like his own tier kind of below Paolo and Chet. Yeah, so... um you know, Jabari, when you first watch him, he's an unreal shooter, someone who can get his shot in basically any setting, any place on the floor that he wants. Um, somebody who doesn't see a contest at all and is able to to shoot over anybody. Um, so that's the main thing that he brings to the table. And then defensively, I think he brings way more perimeter ability, being able to, to guard wings and stick on guards uh, than these other two guys do. Um, by a pretty significant margin. Um, but kind of like I mentioned before, just the creation, being able to get to the basket, he shot in the 40s at the rim. Um, his handle needs some work. Um, just being able to get downhill and create easier opportunities and, and make plays for others. So that's kind of what it is for him and why I think he's just, just a tad lower than the two at the top. He is still somebody who I think um, – is worthy of consideration and talking about uh, with, with this group. So I wouldn't say it's like completely a whole nother tier, but um, just I have those two just above him. As far as Jabari goes, do you see, because I we had someone, we did a, we hosted a, a Twitter spaces the other day and somebody was pretty fired up in our, in our Twitter spaces talking about how, you know, we just say, we make the critiques about, you know, Chet and Paolo and say, but they can get there. Right. And then we talk about Jabari maybe. And it seems like people like not necessarily you, obviously. And I, that's why I want you to talk about it, but dumb people might be implying like, he can't make he can't do the things that he needs to do be, to become a playmaker. Yeah, he's great at three point shooting and defense, but I just don't see him getting to that point. Like people say that. What are your what's your take on like can Jabari make the leaps just like Chet and Paolo can? Like is the path there for him? Yeah, I think there's something weird where people are just a little bit more short sighted with Jabari for whatever reason. Um, I think part of that is because the hand developing a handle is so difficult, and we don't see. Well, there's only one Kawhi who's done what he's done. There's only one Paul George who's taken his game from what he did with the Pacers and then bringing it after the the leg injury and coming back and having one of the greatest handles of all time, in my opinion. Um, that's just such a, a difficult thing to bring um, and, and uh, develop over time. And then obviously the finishing at the basket, um, especially going with his right hand, is something that he really needs to work on. But I think that, you know, Aside from that, just being able to look and see like what he does bring to the table and him being a special shooter, I, I understand if we're nitpicking and kind of going through the three of them and, and deciding who we want to, to be number one or whatever. But in terms of projecting him forward, I I think that there's still a, a very good chance that he develops some of those things offensively and gets put into the right spots and um they take advantage of the things he does really well, and it does. It might not matter as much as you know you might initially think. 
Yeah, I think what a lot of Magic fans were, what we're trying to stay away from is thinking too much about you know fit when it comes to you know the top of this draft. You know, you win the number one overall pick. Twenty years from now, you want to be able to look back and say, you know, the Magic got that pick right. So even if Jabari, you know, may be the the best fit from day one in terms of a, a need that the the Magic definitely need to address in terms of shooting. I think that's why, you know, Luke and I have been kind of talking ourselves into that. And then maybe some of the the playmaking and the, you know, the handle is a bit overblown because he did he did show flashes, not on a consistent basis. I think at Auburn, um, you know, the, the, the two point percentage and the finishing at the rim to me is like the number one concern is is that something that he's going to be able to develop um, in terms of um, like his future projections? What do you think his ceiling is? Yeah, I I think he can be um, an all-star as well, obviously in a different way, but just someone who can shoot that well and guard multiple positions on the perimeter is just an easy recipe to when you're on a really good team to be in that all-star conversation, someone who can really change a game for you um, in that way. Uh, So that's kind of where I would view him in terms of level, but uh, just someone who could can really impact the game. Um, in, in a few different ways and then hopefully is in the right situation that's going to put him in, in different situations that will help him out um, in some of his, his weaker areas and kind of bridge that gap for him. You know, you got guys like I, – I feel like everybody always makes the comparison to Clay Thompson, um, not somebody who could dribble really at all at any point during his career. But what he does do, he does really well, and he's one of the best – added in the league so um that's kind of my view on on jabari and then everything else that comes along that's just going to only take him um to that next level and we've seen clay you know be able to get to the basket at times and that comes from just guys closing out so hard and him taking advantage of those closeouts do yeah. you see you know a path everybody calls jabari the the 610 clay thompson do you think that he can reach that level that's the that's the thing like that's such a big ask for somebody to right. To be We're able talking to about a Hall of Famer, yeah, yeah, to be <laughs> that good of a shooter that you might not want to bet on that going at the top of the draft. But I think that he's going to be a very good shooter at the least, um, just based on what we've seen and um, you know that attention, that gravity that he gets from that could open up some things. Being able to get to the basket in that way, I'm also just kind of throwing him off of some pin downs and curls and being able to get to the bucket in, in that way could could also um, help some of that in the way that Clay does as well. Awesome. Well, Jabari, we've talked about, you know, some of the, the prospects that you have at the top of the draft. I think on your last mock, you had Shaden Sharp at five, if I'm not mistaken. Just looking at some of the questions that we have from our listeners, you know, we kind of put the word out today that we were having you on the show. And I think we've got like three or four separate questions on, you know, Shade and Sharp and just kind of what you think he brings to the table and, and kind of what his uh, projection is. Yeah, so Shade and Sharp is definitely one of the the bigger mysteries or unique prospects of the last several years. Um, a guy who didn't play at Kentucky, so we're basically going off of 20 months of AAU and, and prep uh basketball to to kind of determine from at least this vantage point NBA teams are going to have a little bit different perspective and be able to bring him in and workouts and get a different feel for him um but he's a guy at you know about six five with a seven foot wingspan great physical tools for a two guard someone who has a self-reported 49 inch vertical and shows it off all the time off of both one and two feet so 
Um, there's a lot of tantalizing upside there. And then what he can do as a potential shooter and, and shot creator is, you know, really suggestive of a potential star. Um, there's some similar things to, to even Jabari Smith, where he's not the greatest guy at creating space. Um, sometimes getting downhill, his first step isn't the greatest as well. But, you know, in a different way, he's a better finisher than Jabari. So that's a little different. But I really like him. There's a big gamble that's coming there. And if you're a GM, you might have a different um, sort of perspective. If your job's on the line, you're investing millions of dollars in this 18, 19 year old kid who we've only ever seen play against um, other 17, 18 year olds. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot there. I think we start getting into that five, six, seven range that a team is probably going to, to take that risk. I was listening to a uh, a Ringer podcast. I don't remember if it was Bill Simmons. I don't remember which one it was. But uh, KOC made a good point in regard to Shaden Sharp, right? And he made the comparison between him and Jaden Hardy, which was Jaden Hardy had so much top five buzz last year going into this year and then went to the G League essentially hurting his stock, right? I mean, he shot abysmal from the field. It was awful. Uh, kind of worst case scenario for Jaden Hardy. There's kind of the the fear that Shaden Sharp didn't get that chance in college. Like if he played, there's a chance that he might have hurt his stock. Now, don't get me wrong. There's also a chance that he plays and he's the number one prospect this year. What do you think is is more of the probable there? Is that like w- which outcome do you think is more probable based on the the minimal footage you have of Shaden Sharp? Yeah. So I think. A few, you know, separators from him and Jaden Hardy. He's a much better vertical athlete. He can get up. He can finish uh, among, you know, the trees a little bit better. They do have some similar issues in terms of like shot selection and, um, you know, things things like that. But, um, you know, I really liked what what Jaden Hardy did at the end of the season. I think he figured it out. It's always a bit of a growth curve going into a professional league, especially for somebody who didn't get to play out the rest of his high school career because of COVID. Um, so he hadn't really had much basketball time on the court. Um, but there is that risk there. There is a, that that real possibility. You even look at a guy like Patrick Baldwin Jr. coming into the year, um, had a lot of top 10, at least lottery buzz, and then goes to Milwaukee. Things go the way they did. You know, you have the injuries and, and things like that. So that's what happens with his stock. You also have a guy from last year. You got Zaire Williams, who went to Stanford, had some of the same issues, but still goes top 10 and comes in, contributes for a Grizzlies team that's really, really good. Um, obviously these are all different players with different kind of attributes, but, um, there's just so many different, um, outcomes potentially that you kind of have to juggle and and weigh. But one thing is for sure that the number one overall, um, prospect in, in all of these high school classes pretty much always goes top 10 in their draft whenever that is. So that's, you know, at least something to bet on. They don't always pan out, but, um, Outside of like Scal Labissiere from Kentucky several years ago, that's that's basically been the norm. Would it would it kind of surprise you at all if, as we get closer to the draft, you know, there's there's some talk about Shaden at number one. Um, I actually would be pretty surprised if that is the case. Um, and I wouldn't really. I think it would be a little bit of a smokescreen or something. Somebody trying to. Um, increase his value or, or do something behind the scenes. 
I just think it's too it's too risky. He doesn't have a, a, enough of the of certain attributes to kind of put him over those um, Chet, Paolo, Jabari, uh, even the Jaden Ivy, in my opinion. After that, though, I think that that's where he starts to get into his range, and you can start having those kind of debates between who you want um, as a prospect. You hear that, Magic fans? We can all sleep uh, soundly tonight, not having to worry about Shaden Sharp being the number one overall pick. <laughs> now, whether or not the Magic trade back, you know, uh, hopefully that's not the case. I'm I'm rooting against that personally, but uh, we'll we'll kind of have to wait to see with that. Uh, Keandre, some of the last questions that we have, we have a ton of people asking about, you know, the the second round picks. So right now, the Magic own number thirty two and thirty five in the second round. Um, what are some of the prospects that you have penciled in there? And when it comes to the second round, are you more looking at fit or are you really just going off of best player available? Well, you know, it, it depends on the team always. Um, so there's a little bit of fit in there, but if there's a certain player you're confident in being the best player available right now, you just go ahead and take them and figure it out. Even if it's a guard on a team like this, I think that that's something that you would probably do. Um, and even I was looking at this Magic roster, like it's really not as guard heavy as you think with Gary Harris being a free agent. You still have a little wiggle room in there to to potentially add one. Um, but guys that I really like in this second round, I think there's a lot of value in this sort of 30 to 40 range is you've got um, some potential backup centers to, to, to look at. Guys like Christian Coloco out of Arizona, somebody who's uh, a rim runner, shot blocker, really nice pick and roll defender. Um, he shot extremely well from three at the combine. So that's something that he could potentially add. He didn't really show any of that at Arizona, but um, you know, who knows if you get him in, in your own program and being able to, to see him up close, that could be a potential target there. Um, but like, if you get, if you get Chet, maybe you, you go in a different direction or, or whatever you have two picks here. So you might be able to get, a big like Coloco or uh, Ishmael Kamagate or uh, potentially a Walker Kessler if he's there. Um, all guys who who do somewhat similar things, different body types, different um, strengths and, and weaknesses. I like a guy like Patrick Baldwin Jr., who we just mentioned earlier. If he gets to this point in the draft, kind of betting on that upside as a 6'9", 6'10", shooter, um, had a whole lot of variables going on in college last year, wasn't in the greatest position for his skill set specifically. He was asked to create maybe a little bit too much than um, he really should have been. And um, at this point in the draft, you go ahead and take that swing on the upside and and put him in this position, in my opinion. I, I think Patrick Baldwin Jr. is interesting, right? I mean, he goes to, I believe his dad is, is, is yeah. he's either the coach or on staff, correct? He was the coach, head coach. Yeah, so played a huge part. Obviously, he was widely regarded as a, a big time, you know, uh, guy to land on your roster in terms of college when that came around. I think that a lot of a big part of Pat, of Patrick Baldwin Jr., who has the nickname PBJ, which is incredible to me. Um, but but as far as he goes, you know, he had those terrible shooting numbers like those splits were awful. There's no getting around it. But at the same time. Like you said, put into really weird situations. I believe he played 11 games um, at, at at Milwaukee. And at the same time, do you think Patrick Baldwin Jr. being the most highly touted player on that roster by a long shot, do you think that that played a big part in kind of that him having to play a different role, taking uncontested shot or taking contested shots more heavily? Um, do you think that there is quite a bit of room that his ceiling is actually pretty high? Yeah, for sure. I think that um, 
he was just kind of in a in a in a bad context for his skill set. And you have you know guards that might not, might not be able to create for him. Um, there wasn't too much of a give and take, and being able to put him in the right position, he was kind of asked to you know go get a bucket, go get us a bucket, um, and do a couple things that that's not really in his role uh, or not really in his his game per se. Um, so I think there is some untapped potential there, and in the right situation where he is asked to do more of the things that he's great at. Um, I think we see those contested shot numbers come way down at the NBA level um, and, you know, some other things as, as well. Keandre, last question I have for you before we let you go here. Uh, we've we've also got some questions just in terms of, you know, what do you think of the, the Magic roster? I wanted to ask you, you know, what current Magic player are you the biggest fan of? And then we have a specific question. Uh, what is, are your expectations for Markel Fultz this year? So I think the biggest player that I'm a fan of on the Magic is Markel Fultz. Perfect. This is just um, you could just lump this into one question. <laughs> put him into two uh two birds, one stone. That's the yeah. same. Yep. I'm almost messed that up there. Uh <laughs> but yeah, so Markel Fultz, I've been a big fan of his for the last several years. Um came back this year from injury, looked really, really good. Just the way that he's able to to make plays for others, and the way that the the offense was kind of flowing, um, is just a different dynamic that he brings to the table that nobody else does on the on the roster. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see what he does going forward. Obviously, you always want to see a little bit more of a consistent jump shot out of him. Hopefully, that comes along in some form or fashion, uh, at least from the three point line. The mid range is crazy, um, but you know I really like what he does. Um, Another guy that I really like on this team and that has probably the best contract in the league, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, I think that he's one of the most underrated players in the entire league, an actual star, um, or at least a budding star, that I think we start to see a little bit more once the Magic get a little bit more notoriety or even having the number one pick on the team, people will go watch a little more and kind of realize the type of stuff that he brings to the table in basically all facets. So um, he's another one of my favorites. I wanted to kind of the last thing here, Keandre, from me is you you look at the Magic roster. They field the youngest roster in a long time in the NBA, right? Like they they field the starting, youngest starting, starting roster, starting lineup. Yeah. So at the beginning of the year, and you look at this roster as a whole, it is very very young. At what point? And we've heard, uh, you know, uh, John Hammond of the Orlando Magic talk about this recently. The possibility of Orlando taking those that pick 32 and 35 and trading it for a late first. And I think that obviously this does something for your roster in terms of you, you don't add another young guy just to add another young guy. Like at some point there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Like you can only develop so many guys correctly. Um, What do you see anything as far as uh, a way for the Orlando magic to get some of these young guys off the team, whether it's like ones they might want to trade, make a trade for, or kind of what's your take on on the Orlando Magic going into draft night with those picks? Yes, yeah, so if, if there's an opportunity to go ahead and trade up and you you just get one more extra young guy instead of having two and you don't have, you know, all these developmental to, uh, or ball handling responsibilities to give out to certain players, that's obviously a good thing. Um, just kind of rolling with the guys that you have. Um, I think a guy like Jalen Williams, specifically out of Santa Clara, if he's available at a certain spot and you can package those 32 and 35 maybe with, um, you know, Terrence Ross or whoever the Terrence contracts Ross, are, yeah. 
I haven't looked at the the contracts of the Magic too. That's exactly uh, what we would would want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, you package that together, you get a guy like Jalen Williams, um, whose stock might might just end up putting him in the lottery. So who knows what what happens there? But uh, maybe a, a few other targets to go ahead and get one of those guys and and bring him in um, as somebody off the bench or potentially a future starter. Um, and what he brings to the table in an all around fashion is. Six six dude, seven two wingspan can do basically everything out there at a pretty good level. Um, that'd be a, a scenario that I definitely go for if I was a Magic fan. Awesome, Keandre. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? You know, social media, your YouTube channel, all that stuff, so they can check you out. Yeah, for sure. You can find me on YouTube, Hoop Intellect. Just type it in like that. Um, I'm on Twitter, Hoop Intellect as well with three L's. Um, Instagram, who've been elect, uh, just post different basketball content, a lot of draft related stuff, live tweet through the playoffs and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, Keandre, we appreciate your content. You really help us get through the draft season. We're hoping, you know, in the coming years, we won't be looking at like your top prospects anymore. We'll be looking at more, you know, that mid to late first round. But uh, everybody appreciates what you do, man. You do a great job. You do it at such a high level. We really, really appreciate it. And we appreciate you taking the time and, and being on the show, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, I appreciate y'all having me on once again. All right. Thanks, Keandre. That was our interview with Keandre from Hoop Intellect. Again, thank you to Keandre for taking the time. It was a ton of fun. Again, that kid is super, super talented, super bright future. Just keep doing what he's doing. And yeah, he's going to be our draft resource on YouTube for the foreseeable future and probably everybody in that case. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty surprised that um, that kid hasn't been picked up like by another outlet to do stuff for them for the draft. But I'm sure that's only a matter of time. It's coming. Yeah, it's definitely coming. Luke, before we sign off here, anything that you want to add? No, just thank you guys again. You guys have been incredible for us. Um, you know, our patron shout out Armin, who came down from Virginia as one of our patrons, came down from Virginia, booked his tickets a month ago. He didn't book his tickets, um, you know, any later than that. Wasn't a last minute decision. Shout out Armin for being there. Um, I'm sure he, I know it is. I talked to him, said it was well worth it. So shout out to you guys and just everybody there that made it possible. Magic Michelob Ultra. And he said he's coming back for the draft. So seriously, our shout boy. out Armin. Yeah, that that is our boy. So uh, we're just kind of in the beginning stages of kind of planning what we're going to do uh, for the draft, just kind of waiting to you know, figure a few things out. But I'm sure we'll do something, you know, whether it's you know, at the draft or, you know, before the draft, we're definitely going to have something for people to hang out. And then we'll walk over and, you know, try to sit together at the draft lottery or the draft party like we did last year. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. Again, shout out Keandre. Really appreciate you taking the time coming on the show. For Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.